G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, we welcome Alex Cook for our Ask Alex segment. Alex, welcome back to 2020. Great to be with you, Neil. Alex, let's. Uh, we've been sort of uh, talking through issues around uh, wealth foundations. Uh, today, I know we want to talk about taking control over spending. And, uh, of course, uh, the cost of living is rising. This affects every single one, one of us and many of us uh, living month to month, uh, even week to week. And lots of us uh, are in challenging financial situations. What do you mean when you talk about taking control over spending? Yeah, well, look, I'm, <clears throat> as a believer, I take the view that we want to be good stewards of everything that God puts in our hand. And obviously, one of the first things that happens to us is we get our income. So some people listening, uh, maybe, you know, you've got a job and, you, and you're working for others. Perhaps you're retired, you're living off your superannuation, uh, and you're, you're living off your investment income, or you're getting Centrelink, and so therefore you're getting income. So all of us have you know, some sort of income uh, coming into our house. And then the question is, well, what do I do with it? And so to me, having a spending plan is one of those sort of foundational things, but it's really saying, how am I going to use the, God, the money that God has put into my hands? Um, because ultimately, the, the, the biblical belief is that the money that I have is really God's money, and how I spend my money, and really, as I say, God's money, how I spend God's money, really reflects my attitude to God himself. Now, that may sound dramatic to some people, but in reality, it's true. Do we prioritize ourselves, or do we prioritize others, or do we prioritize God's kingdom? In fact, uh, I once heard a, a, a very good uh, saying, from a, I think it was from a pastor, who said, your bank statements are like theological documents because they tell me what you actually believe. And, and that's very true because it reflects our priorities. You know, if, when you look at, if you pull out your credit card statement, you pull out your bank statement, how you spend that money says what is important to you and what is of value. So as I say, I think the Christian thing is, well, how do we get control of it so we can, you know, look after our families, raise our, you know, raise our families, do the right thing, all the things that we have to do. But then as a believer, there's a bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is how do I use my money and spend it and sow into things that last uh, last forever. I mean, the, the the biblical concept is sowing and reaping. And so, you know, how are you going to sow with what God has put into your hands, I think is the big one. We'll pick up on some practical issues around a spending plan as we go through our conversation. But our talkback line is open and listeners uh, with a question... Uh, or a scenario, uh, welcome to call 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Brendan in Serena in Queensland. Hello, Brendan. Welcome. Hello, this is uh, Brendan here. Hey, question for Alex. Uh, I've heard I'm interested in getting into investing in the stock market, but I've heard there's ethical questions around shorting um, stocks in the stock market. I just wanted to know what he thought about it. 
Good question, Brendan. Uh, it's Alex. a very good question. It's very. It's a great question. And just to give listeners a background to the concept of what is short selling, uh, it's been around for for quite some time. Um, when you buy shares, the average person, what they're trying to do is buy low, sell high, right? So let's think of it. You, you buy, think of a company like AMP. You want to buy it for let's make it up three dollars, and you want to sell it. You know, five years later for you know five or six dollars, say. So that's what we call a long position. Um, and what people often don't realize with the stock market, you can actually do the opposite. You can short a stock. That is, and it sounds a bit strange, but you can actually sell something you don't own. So you can sell the stock, um, let's say AMP, receive the cash for the sale, uh, and then you have an obligation at some point to buy it back. And of course, the person that is short selling wants to see the price fall in value. And so that's what they're trying to, you know, achieve by it. They want to see the price go down. And so this is why, you know, Brendan, it's a great question because it has come up within lots of seminars I've done over the years. And that is, is it ethical to buy something or in this case, sell something with the intention that it will actually go down in value? And because some people would argue that short selling actually pushes the stock market down. Now, the Australian Stock Exchange has a lot of very strict rules about when you place a short order, designed so that people can't actively push the price down. So it's designed so that it can't. In saying that, often if there's a wave of sellers, prices will fall anyway. Um, I tend to have a positive view towards it. I do understand why people have an ethical issue, but the reason why I have a positive view towards it is it actually adds liquidity to the market. It actually increases um, the sale. And what causes stock markets to actually crash is lack of liquidity. In, all the, in other words, all the buyers disappear. So short sellers can actually help in that process and actually reduce the volatility potentially um, by adding more liquidity into the system. Um, some people would argue though um, that short selling, because it's riskier, because if you think about it logically, if you buy a company, the, the biggest risk is it goes broke and you lose your money. With short selling, the price can keep going up forever. And if that happens, then you're losing money indefinitely. So the short seller loses money if the stock goes up rather than going down. So there, there are, I think, some genuine ethical questions to be asked. But I tend to think it actually aids the market in the sense it adds liquidity to it. Um, so I don't have a personal problem with it, but I understand why some people might. Brendan, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. Brendan, uh, have a good day. God bless. Thank you for you your call. 1-800-316-316. If you have a question on our Ask Alex segment, let's take another call, Alex. Roz is in the Sundays in Queensland. Hello, Roz. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Very well, Roz. What are your questions? Um, well, I was interested in what you just said. Um, uh, but I actually, I've, I've got a t- uh, questions really on tithing. Um, and I'm not sure is that lining, I know it's very much part of financial side of things is tithing, but I was interested about the previous uh, conversation and I thought about ethical insur- uh, ethical um, uh, trades and things, stocks like over, uh, you know, like differences between safe things or things that have been, um, like say, if, uh, trying to get my words right, yeah. uh, um, non-ethical can be looked at as like um, stocks in tobacco or uh, palm oil or places where people are being um, uh, subject to, you know, 
bad things happening. So, Roz, a question here around uh, ethical investments, uh, whether that be stocks that you might find in your financial trading or whether you're supporting businesses uh, that not uh, into what we'd call fair trade. Alex, your thoughts for Roz? Yeah, look, it's a a great question around ethical investing. Um, And I think we covered it actually occasionally on this program where we've talked about um, some of the issues that it is. Firstly, it's a growing space. So that's the exciting thing. Ethical investing is a growing space. To me, as a a, a Christian, I have a responsibility to manage the money uh, that God's given me. And I should, as best possible, try and do things that avoid, you know, giving harm to people or harm to harm to the environment, harm to you know, animals, all that sort of thing. I think we should do that in good conscience. Um, when it comes to investing, there is an element of greyness and anyone in the finance industry uh, will tell you that because there are very popular things like index funds where, uh, and a lot of people are invested in these things, where ultimately you're investing in um, pretty much everything and therefore by default, you may have gambling stocks and so forth in there. So what I say to people here is, um, I think as, uh, let's say you got your super money or your investment money, you should genuinely try and look at avoiding things that cause harm to others. Um, the question, and this is the, the challenge for everybody, anyone listening, is how far do you want to take it? Um, because you could argue, and, and you know, is, is an Australian bank ethical? Now, listen, everyone listening to this would be thinking, well, I've got money in the bank, so surely, you know, we're all using bank services for, for all the banks. Now, a lot of the, the, the big banks in Australia do push things that are, are dubious, and, and so Christians would have some concerns about the kind of issues they're pu- pushing. Um, and so, therefore, I think, as I say, it comes down to what extent uh, you want to go, but I do think uh, Christians in good conscience should do it before God, um, and they should do it with, um, uh, you know, you should be taking appropriate due diligence to make sure that what you're investing in lines up with, um, you know, with your uh, Christian values. Um, there are funds out there that specifically deal with Christian values, you know, um, whether it's superannuation and so forth. Um, but as I say, it is a grayish area in the sense that it, it, uh, it can narrow your options. But certainly we've got to be good stewards. Roz, does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, gaming was the other thing with, like, say, cryptocurrency, whereas you think of gaming as being really, um, you know, like gambling side of things, but then that gaming side of things is also... I remember hearing a, um, seeing a documentary on TV where they're using uh, people who are used to doing gaming are very, very skilled at being surgeons nowadays because they're used to that fine uh, sort of thing. So that's another grey area I'm finding, you know, because there's good things that are coming out of gaming or people who are experienced in that, but there's also the gambling side of things, which is not good. That's good, another good comment sort of there, area. Ros. Uh, anything short to add there, uh, Alex? Uh, none of that specifically, but, I mean, uh, I mean, as I say, with all these things, uh, Christians need to look through the prism of what God's word says and apply that to to anything we do with our money you know does does it line up with God's word you know I think um, as good stewards you've got to say what is God's view on this on the way we handle our money and does it line up with that and that's what we should take to God in prayer uh, when we're making financial decisions Roz, in the With Sundays, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to be part of today's conversation. If you have a question about finance, let's take another call. Bevan is in South Australia. Hello, Bevan. Welcome. 
Hey, uh, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts? You have a question? Um, I got a question regarding the around the cryptocurrency. Um, just uh, any suggestions how we can actually uh, get into the um, investing into the crypto? Good thoughts, Alex from Evan. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's a great question. It's going to pop up more and more. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, taking off at the moment. Um, look, my, my bit of advice with crypto is that it's a new, because it's a new area, it's still in some senses untested. It's never been through a, a real crisis, like say the global financial crisis and things like that. It is a new and exciting area. Um, so the advice that I tend to give people is if you are going to go into the crypto space, um, because many of them, not all of them, but many of them are highly volatile, it is very risky, as in some would argue it's even gambling. Um, but there are legitimate projects in there, and there are some exciting developments in there. There's also some more stable cryptos, such as things called stable coins and so forth. So it all comes down to the purpose and the project. Um, but because many of them are difficult to value, like it's difficult to say what is Bitcoin worth and where is Bitcoin heading, we know the trend is obviously in the direction of crypto, as in it's an exciting area. Um, but I say to people, you if you're going to allocate any money to it, you allocate a very small percentage of your money to it. Um, we're actually going to do a whole episode on this in a couple of weeks because one of the things that is happening is the Reserve Bank and many uh, central banks around the world are all developing their own digital currencies. So this is a global phenomenon. And so there will be a, if you like, a crypto Australian dollar coming up in the next few years. Um, so it's an exciting space. I would say just be very careful. Really do your homework about the projects um, because many of them uh, will go bankrupt. There's about 12,000 plus crypto coins out there and the vast majority will disappear and go broke. Uh, and many of them really are just scams. So just stick to uh, the big names. Really do your homework and do your research before you go putting any capital anywhere near them. Bevan, does that answer your question? Yes, it is. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. No worries, Evan. Cheers. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. I imagine, just quickly as we top off that whole issue around crypto, as government regulation comes, that, I guess, brings it into the mainstream. It won't be fringe anymore, Alex. Oh, absolutely. In fact... Uh, Joe Biden, literally in the last few weeks, even while the war's raging, has um, specifically talked about uh, regulating crypto. I mean, he's partly concerned that Russia's actually going to use cryptocurrencies to try and circumvent the sanctions. So it's a, you know, it's a lot of fascinating things going on around the world uh, at the moment in this space. Um, but you can guarantee governments will regulate it. That's the absolute guarantee. You know, I've had uh, friends and people say to me over the years that you know, it's this sort of decentralised financial system. And as I always point out, at the end of the day, the person uh, that creates the laws and has the guns is the one that is the one that plays the rules. And that's the Australian government. It's not, it's, it's, so it's not this, you know, some people like to think they're going to get around governments by using it. And that's just simply false. Um, at the end of the day, they're all going to be regulated. Governments are going to want to chase taxes, to, you know, to fund society. Uh, and there'll be no way around regulation. Um, and indeed, the crypto, it'll, it'll be forced on us via the crypto exchanges, so the people you buy and sell crypto through. Um, so you can see that that is hot on the agenda. And, and Josh Frydenberg, our treasurer, has been talking about that very issue uh, in the last couple of weeks.
Let's come back to what we started talking about. Uh, just a few minutes left in our conversation, Alex, but we've been talking about wealth foundations, kingdom wealth foundations, and uh, a focus today on taking control over spending. There's not a lot of time to enlarge on all of these things, but let's come back <laughs> to something perhaps practical. Uh, I imagine uh, talking about a spending plan might be one way you take control. Yeah, look, absolutely. And so, look, what is a spending plan? Now, people often cringe at the word budget, and I think only technically about 5% of people have a written budget in place. Um, But I would really encourage you to do a budget so you can see how you spend money. So the first part of the exercise really is an awareness issue. How do you spend your money? How much are you actually spending? Do you know do you know where your money is actually going? That's the that's the first step. And then ask yourself a few questions. You know, as a as a Christian, I believe that I should put God first with my money. Um, and, and therefore, you know, Matthew six twenty four says, Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So with my budget, am I putting God first with my budget? You know, does my budget reflect someone who is content? Does it reflect someone who is focusing on things of eternal value? So that's some, if you like, the bigger picture issues of the spending plan. But then, of course, there's the practical side of it, of knowing how much you're spending, looking at how you can cut out waste. Um, And the thing, we don't really have time for it, uh, but really is I always encourage people to automate their finances. So if you think about your budgeting, one of the main things that people struggle with is the ability to save and get ahead. And so I always encourage people to try and save at least 10%. But try and automate that process. So, you know, your money comes in, whether it's weekly, fortnightly or monthly, uh, and try and automate that payment so that it goes out into a long-term savings account so you can start building your wealth and getting ahead. But as I say, focus on the big picture principles. Um, You know, as Christians, we're called to be generous, and so we want to make sure um, that we're sowing into God's kingdom when we're working out our spending plans. Unfortunately, sometimes God gets the scraps, and uh, that's exactly what we want to avoid. We want to put God first in our lives, and especially so with our money. Alex, just to touch on a question from a listener who wrote in, said, Hi, Alex, heard you on Vision Radio. I recently retired and opened a super income account. I've calculated my annual fixed expenses for bills like rates, rego, electricity, etc. My question is, what is the best way to pay these bills? Uh, Direct debit weekly amounts to supplier, take out weekly amount and put into one of my accounts and build up when payment of bill is due, uh, draw out extra from super when bills are due. Uh, Also... Uh, we still uh, have a small mortgage, $30,000. Is it better to draw funds from super to pay it out? Current interest rates on the loan, 2.79%, but super is returning about 5%. Thanks, Jeff. Now, here's a challenge for you to answer that in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> Look, there's probably two questions really in that. If I address the second one first. So the second one was, should he use some of his super to pay out his debt? Um, now, the question, we, I mean, I want to give the principles here because obviously I don't know Jeff's full situation. I don't know how much money he's got outside of super and so forth. Um, but the general principle is you want to pay off your debts first before you invest. Now, the key attraction of super is the fact that it's a low tax environment, particularly now that Jeff is retired. So he'll be paying no tax anymore on his superannuation. So that generally you want to keep your super intact. In saying that, you mentioned the returns are about 5% versus 2.79 on the mortgage. Uh, it's now expected that interest rates are going to rise. In fact, the bond market's predicting quite a bit of uh, rises in, in um, over the next uh, 18 months. Um, and so ultimately, um, I would consider saying, look, 
are you better off paying your mortgage and clearing your debt and living a debt-free retirement? That's generally what I'd encourage. But as I say, I don't know Jeff's full situation to make that call. Um, and then secondly, um, just back to the first part of his the first uh, part of his question is around the expenses and how should you pay for those. Um, so I'd say, look, avoid dipping into your super. Definitely try and avoid doing that. Um, I liked um, the second sort of option you gave, which is this idea here of building up your payments. So I always say to people, think of your money in buckets, have a buckets for all your bills. So take your pension payment, put the excess in there and use that to build up the bucket so you can pay out your bills when they fall due. The old school approach was the old envelope style system where you had uh, you know envelopes for each bill, your electricity bill, your water bill, etc. You can still do that if you prefer the old school way. Um, but otherwise, have a bank account where all your bills money goes into and that way you're ready to go as soon as the bill comes in. Wonderful stuff, and time is up. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose, and you can connect with Alex at his website, wealthwithpurpose.com. There's all sorts of great resources there, free eBooks, the My Tool Kit. You can follow Alex on Facebook and Twitter. There's even an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email address as well. Alex, uh, wonderful insights once again. A very full, uh, covered a lot of ground in all of that. But uh, thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts once again with us today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Great to be with you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.